What's up, witches, and welcome to Witch Space. I'm Gemini. And I'm Scorpio. And today we are going to be talking about the book Old World Witchcraft by Raven Grabassi. So a little bit about uh, Raven, who we just lost last year, actually, last March. Uh, He was born on April 12th, 1951, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So kind of close, kind of close. Pittsburgh is kind of far from New York, but, you know, kind of (laughs) close. That's only a couple hours. I could drive there. Um, I actually always wanted to go to Pittsburgh because the Andy Warhol Museum is there. So that sounds incredibly on brand. Yeah. And plus, I have also wanted to go to, oh, God, where is it? The Edward Gorey Museum. But it's so far. Like, even when I go to Salem, it's like far from Salem. So it's like, uh, mm-hmm. do I want to take a drive out there at some point? Anyway, um, a little bit about him. I think a lot of people know who he is, but this is my shtick. So I'm sticking with it. Talk a little bit about everybody we read. So he practiced for 45 years. He's the co-director of the Ash, Birch, and Willow tradition. Um, He popularized the Stregeria, Italian witchcraft. And what else about him? Well, his father, his mother was Italian. His father was German and Scottish. Um, And, you know, he got a lot of flack from people saying that what he talked about was not authentic Italian witchcraft, but he never claimed that it was. Um, it was mixed with Wicca. So he wrote a ton and ton of books. And, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to read Old World Witchcraft is, and of course we're jumping in time because this was a book from 2011. So we've really come forward. Oh. Oh, you didn't know that? I didn't know that. (laughs) Nope. I don't know anything about anyone we read about until you tell us on the podcast. So you have to keep doing the shtick. Otherwise, I'm never going to know who these people are. Oh, I just are. assumed you looked at the book when we, um, you know. When I, oh, yeah, I read no, the book. No, I know, but I just thought. I didn't oh, read, okay. like, anything else about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This book is from 2011. Um, one of the reasons that I, I wanted to talk about this book is that I feel like there's so much back and forth with what is Wicca? What is being a witch? And I like what he talks about. I like the way he approaches it in this book. So I thought this would be a good one. Also because... Um, and I'm not mentioning any names because I'm not about the hate here. And, you know, we've always talked about that. But recently, mm-hmm. somebody that I followed, who's not Wiccan, a uh, different tradition entirely, uh, was talking about and pretty much putting Wicca down. And saying that the only real witches, real Wiccans, Wiccans, um, are British traditional witchcraft. And that everything else, like, it's kind of made up. And... Um, you're just not, you know, Wicca is kind of like a stepping stone to something deeper, something better in a sense. And I took offense to that. I didn't get into an argument with anybody because it's not worth it. But um, I think I think that's the discussion of the day, as it were. What is a witch? And I know it kind of seems like we, you know, we've talked about this in the past and why are we going back to this? But... I've always been so opposed to anybody putting anybody down because, oh, my tradition is older. My tradition is better. Um, Mm -hmm. This person's tradition um, that they were talking badly about Wicca, you know, uses elements of Christianity. And so does Santeria. So I'm not putting that down. But it's kind of like, so you're using the colonizer's magic instead of delving into your own. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's never going to be for me, in a sense. So, you know, 
I, I like this book because I feel like he's going to go into old world witchcraft and we're going to see the difference between old world witchcraft and Wicca. And one's not better than the other, but I like his explanation. And I think it definitely comes back to the fact that Wicca, Gerald Gardner's Wicca is brand spanking new in comparison. Witchcraft is old. And I think he makes a good argument for it. And he does explain it very well. And, you know, I want to see what you think about it, obviously. Um, yeah. But that's the reason why this book and now, I guess it was something that I wanted to discuss. So I thought, okay, this is the book we're going to. And then we'll see from here. And we have to get back to the Greeks, too. And he mentions the Greeks here as well. Yes, he does. So I love that. I love that. So um, so I, I just I just want to start with the preface and a quote that he has. This book is a departure from the familiar theme of arguing for witchcraft as a survival of an ancient tradition. So it's anti-Gardner in a way, right? He's not saying this is, I yeah. was initiated and this is old, right? Then what is this book about? Simply stated, it is about old forms of witchcraft traceable through aged European roots. And I love that because in the class that I taught, so many people had stories about their parents, their grandparents. They taught me this. They did that. They knew how to work with this. That's witchcraft. So um, so I love that that's in his preface. This is how he's starting out this book. I also liked in the preface, he kind of gives his definition of a witch. Mm -hmm. And we've all, I mean, we've done this a million times. What is a witch? What is the definition? And I think there's a lot of different ways to define it. So it's nice when you start out reading a book and the author says, this is the definition that I'm working with. And if, you know, you read that and you're like, well, that's completely antithetical to my definition. Okay, maybe this practice is not going to be for you, but that doesn't mean you can't learn from it. So the definition that he's working with is the witch as an animist, um, a person who believes in souls or spirits in all things. And someone who is sort of a, a spirit walker or a hedge walker who's able to go between worlds, who's kind of night-based, works with the moon, and specifically in his case connected to forests. So this is giving like more context for his understanding and what definition of which he is working with. Not that there aren't others, but this is the one that is in this text. I don't feel that it necessarily goes against anything that we've seen so far as far as Wicca is concerned. I think it's, yes. it's a, a take on it. I don't think that it's that different. So I think even if you're Wiccan and you read this, you go, yeah, I, I believe in this. He does, He's not mentioning here um, gods and goddesses, but he does mention spirits, a rapport with spirits and other non-material beings. Um, and I like that because you can take that into any way you want. Yeah, it is. I like that definition because it specifically leaves space for a secular practice for saying, like, I'm not working with deity or deity. I never know how to say that I say word. Deity. deity. I say deity, but I don't know if deity is wrong. I think that's the right answer. Okay. But I like that it leaves that space to be like, you know what? People do work with gods, but other people just work with spirits, and that's fine, too. You know, and I think that's always been the problem I've had when people say they're secular, because I feel like the minute you say you work with spirit, you know what it is? Okay, I guess this is, and it's my chip in my brain. I'm not saying that this is the way it is. When I hear secular in my mind, I go to atheists. Does that make sense? So that if yes. you say secular, you're not working with spirits. And then to me, I'm like, okay, no, 
So I think that I've had for a long time, I've had a difficulty with secular witchcraft because I'm like, what, wait, then what do you do? Like, you know what I mean? And it's only been through the years Mm -hmm. that I've been, and not even that many years since we've started talking that I've kind of like understood secular witchcraft in a different way. Um, Yeah. I think that especially in America, we have this problem where secular and atheistic are the same. And part of that really comes down to this, I can't believe I'm going to say these words, kind of Christian hegemony that we have where like everything about our culture can be traced back to a Christian sect that like came over on a boat. So it's very difficult for us to separate the two because if you are secular, if you're focusing focusing on secular practice in America, you are shunning this sort of major pseudo-religious presence in your life. And that, by definition, makes you an atheist in American culture. Right. Um, but yeah, the, the separation of those two concepts, I think, is really important. And I think that that is why I like this definition so much, is being able to say, like, you have the option to not work with gods. Right. And I think that, um, I think once you have that understand, once I had that understanding, then I'm like, okay, you know, and then you have to, st- I've even wondered how much of a secular witch am I? I have my gods and goddesses, but how much am I really calling to them? And how much is the energy work that I do with spirit? Mm-hmm. So I guess that's a completely different conversation, but you know, Something we can talk about in a later, a later podcast. podcast. How we work with energy. Um, so, okay. So that's the beginning of that. Then he goes to the... Can I jump into the introduction? Yes. I love that he lists his qualifications. Yes. I love that. I love that he does this whole, basically, chapter about, like, this is how I came to the practice, and this is the way that I do my analysis, and this is where this thought process comes from. I think that that is foundational to religious study. And I think if you're going to be the kind of person who is writing books about how to do a religion, you should be giving me this. And would I like more citations from him? Absolutely. But just being able to tell me like, hey, I researched academically occult books and in folklore, which is so important if you're trying to piece these things together. Okay, now I can say, you know what, Raven Gramasi, I think you have a pretty solid baseline even if you interpret that in a different way than i would have i know you're coming from a place that is grounded in research and not just unverified personal gnosis yeah um and i wish more people would do that when they're writing not necessarily for us but i think when you're starting to read you know you need to know who these people are now you know we've talked about this a lot of controversial people that we've read Mm -hmm. And should you read them? Yes, we said that some of them, yes, you should. Some of them, maybe you don't need to. Should you delve deeper into who they are as a person? I don't don't know. You know, I don't know how much that's going to help you as far as the text is concerned. But the one thing I do think is no matter who you read, you're not following anybody blindly. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. He writes about, like, I think this is, like, right at the beginning of the introduction, about unlearning and undoing. And I just feel like that has been my entire life, 
is unlearning and undoing, you know, being raised Catholic, being raised um, as a young girl in America, like being taught certain things. And then now that I'm a conscious adult, having to go back and say, all right, what of what of this is actually valuable for me to be living with? And I think that that's something that witches should be doing, but I think that that's something that people should be doing. I think that that almost for me is the basis of shadow work is, you know, you have your energy work that you do and you're doing it. And then you have shadow work, which is undoing the things that should not be, you know? Right. So I just like that he says it just right from the jump. Like, listen, there's going to be a lot of this. You're going to have to unlearn. You're going to have to undo. You're going to have to separate yourself from things that you thought were true when you were growing up or when you were 15 or when you were 22 or when you were 50. There's constantly this process of reevaluating. And speaking of reevaluating, I like his take on witches and gods and goddesses, right? Mm -hmm. So he says, even if you try to separate the religion from ancient people, you know, the idea that, okay, so witches worship gods and goddesses. But he said, if you look at ancient people, non-witches worshipped gods and goddesses. So, of course, mm-hmm. you're going to have witches that worship gods and goddesses and witches that don't. They were part of society. Witches are not separate from society. So, at some yes. point, you know, so to say that, okay, well, you know, witches, it's an old fact that witches worshipped gods and goddesses that's not necessarily untrue because ancient people did. I guess what he's trying to say is that doesn't necessarily make them witches. It's not like all witches have been, you know, uh, worshiping gods and goddesses throughout all this time. They're just saying, if you go throughout history, if witches have always existed, then they have been all these different things. So I I like that he put it in that perspective. Yes. I brought up the the Christian hegemony and I was like, why did I say these words? It's because in my notes... He specifically comments on this veneer of Christian thought that people that's kind of inborn in us when we grow up in America. This idea of like everybody celebrates Christmas, you know, there, there's just things even built into our our government. Certain laws can be traced back to, you know, the Ten Commandments. So this idea of like having to break through that veneer, having to get past well, I accept this because it's been told to me. Well, who told it to you? I like his whole um, difference between folk tradition and learned tradition. Yes. And how the learned tradition is kind of like where we get all our problems from. Because they were all from the judges, mm-hmm. the people who, you know, the people who were documenting witchcraft were not necessarily witches. It was all the people persecuting the witches. So they yeah. come up with their thoughts on what a witch is. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I think that his even bringing up folklore, I think, is super important. Because especially, like, I am practicing a quote-unquote ancient religion. I can't just take my religion from Plato <laughs> I can't just read Plato and be like, all right, now I'm Hellenic. Plato was nothing like a traditional Greek person, right? He did, I'm, he's so far removed from what Greek life was like 
that if I if you ignore the folklore aspect of that, you you miss out on fundamental aspects of that religious practice. So yes, you know, do read all these books by these learned people. Do go back and analyze the the witch's hammer, the Malefic Malacarum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Malefic That one. But also go back and read the stories. The stories mattered. It might not have been true, but they weren't entirely wrong. Right. He does take us through a little bit of history. Yes. Um, you know, the witch before the devil was introduced, and then the witch after the devil was introduced. And even as far back as 1627, he talks about a book called The Guide to the Grand Juryman mm-hmm. by Richard Bernard, um, where there is a term white witch or good witch. So that we, even back in 1627, there's this idea that there's the devil witch and then there's the good witch. Mm-hmm. I think that that's going to be a thing that we're going to be fighting about forever. I just don't know if there's ever going to be a point in time where people aren't going, oh, but are you a good witch or a bad witch? You know, I think that that's so fundamental to like how we understand other human beings that it's mm-hmm. I don't think it's a witch thing. I think it's a person thing. Like, are you good or bad, though? You have power. Are you good or bad? Well, um, it's interesting and I was, I really wanted to get your take on the whole. So here's a quote. I am positive. If we somehow traveled back in time, we would not find ancient witches who believed in the harm none philosophy of contemporary Wicca. I agree completely. Animal sacrifice was a thing. Human sacrifice was a thing. Um, hmm. Not to make this about class struggle, but... I think that for so long, and even now, like, I'm not gonna pretend it's not still a problem now, but worse in the past for a variety of reasons, there were millions of people stripped from their ability to make change in the world. they, They were stripped of their power, they were stripped of their products, they were stripped of their labor, and if you lived in a world like that, where you were basically, like, a a feudal lord basically owned his peasants. I would absolutely be the kind of person back then to be like, you know what? I think he's going to have the shits today. I think I'm just going to just boop, giving my feudal lord the shits. Mm. Because if I could access that kind of power and even minutely make my life better, I'm going to do that regardless of whether or not it's inconveniencing the guy with all the land and the money. You know, regardless of whether or not it's inconveniencing the priest who's telling everybody, you know, to light me on fire, I'm I'm going to fight back. I think that there's value in the harm none philosophy. I think that it is definitely a modern philosophy, and I think that it it is a better one in some ways because I do think that, like, the interconnectedness of humanity is valuable and important and helps us to reach higher states of consciousness as a community. But people did like people don't cast hexes and and curses and that sort of thing for fun. You know, I don't wake up in the morning and go, I'm gonna put a curse on somebody today. You do it to get back, to have revenge 
to to respond. And there were people who were never going to get that in any other way. Right? A woman in 1682 doesn't have the power that a woman now has. Maybe I'm going to make him step on a nail. So the quote that I took out of here as well on Hexing is, the witch is not without ethics, as many would claim. But in reality, it is simply difficult for someone who is harmed to take responsibility for provoking the witch to begin with. I think it's going with what yeah. you're saying. So this week, Virgo reached out to me because some woman is starting crap with her. But her job and did it publicly on like social oh media. God. Mm-hmm. So she's very upset and she wanted to hex. And I said, is it worth it? Is it worth it? I don't care what she's done to you. Remember, in her way, by her doing something to harm you when you did not deserve this harm, whether she's a witch or not, will come back to her. Whether you see it, you might not see it, but it will come back to her. Is it worth it for you now to pull this energy and now have something come back to you? I say no. I Again. But that's just my philosophy. I'm not um, disagreeing with you. I think one of the things that I really like, and I posted a picture of it on the Instagram of one of them. I like like minor inconvenience hexes. Right. Because it makes you feel restored. Like it feels restorative to be like, I hope you step on a Lego. Right. You've said your piece. You've expressed that anger. But it's not something that's going to be. It's not something that you're going to look back on and be like, wow, I should not have done that. You know, like, I hope you lose your remotes. Terrible. Like, absolutely sucks. But also, not that big of a deal. Yeah. So, I think, I also, this is, I have a question. Do you consider binding to be in the hex curse gray magic category or is binding okay? Because in that situation, I probably would have done like a binding, like keep my name out of your mouth. So that's a good question. Because a lot of people say, well, no, because you're not harming the person. But I say yes, because if this person's free will is that they want to talk crap about you, and you're binding them, you're stopping them from doing what they want. Binding, you know, if they were going to actually harm themselves, if this person needs to get help, right? If somehow, okay, so once upon a time, um, somebody I know called the house and my husband picked up the phone and they were going to harm themselves. And of course I called 911. After I called 911, I was trying to do a binding spell, Mm -hmm. right? With as much energy as I had, like, you know, to calm her, to not do anything until the police could get there. Mm-hmm. Was I going against her will? Yes, but she was not in her right state of mind at that point. And I was really afraid that, I mean, and it was so messed up because we had one address, turned out she had moved. So I had to call 911 again and say, okay, I gave you a wrong address. Mm-hmm. You know, and they wound up cutting into the phone call and they were able to get to her. Oh no, it was a whole thing. But when he said to become, I remember he came out of the room and he said, um, we have the wrong address. I said, what? He goes, you sent them. I said, where is she? She won't tell me. And I said, oh my God. You know, and it was like this Mm -hmm. whole thing. Um, But you know, different witches feel differently. So I don't want to be like the authority and say, binding is hexing, that that binding is bad. I don't do it. I mean, 
I did it, but I don't do it. I yeah. have a further question. So the the basis of this is that if you go against someone's will, that's bad. Mm-hmm. What if somebody's like? What if somebody's will is I hate all Mexicans and I want to build a wall in between our countries so they can't get here? Oh Lord! Do you, but do you know what I mean? Like, what if the will is bad? Mm-hmm. And there have been a lot of binding spells right? against <laughs> a certain person. Um, I think you have to. I think you have to weigh what is happening because somebody who wants to harm others and you're trying to protect in that case, um, you're helping more than you're hurting. In other words, if you're going to help these people and you're going to be trying to force the will of one person, I mean, I don't think that's bad. (laughs) That's not, yeah, you got to do it. Okay. I don't disagree with any of this. I'm just very philosophical all the time now. So I'm, like, contemplating the ethical dilemmas of this conversation. Um, I I do think that binding is, like, gray magic is, is the way that I refer to it. It's like a hex or a curse. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I find that it's sort of like the bottom tier. Like, if you're going to do something in this category, maybe just maybe just do a binding. Right, like make it temporary, make it the kind of thing that breaks down, keep your name out of my mouth, move on, versus when you're hurt, immediately resorting to like, I lay a curse upon your entire bloodline. That's a lot. But yeah, I think historically there's no, there's absolutely no reason to assume that there weren't people out there doing that because there are people out there doing it right now. So how different are we really from our ancestors? Probably not that much. Yeah. And I mean, let's face it, somebody, because I'm thinking about other occasions where I've done bindings. Yeah, if somebody's trying to hurt me, just stop. Well, I mean, that, that's yeah. nothing wrong I with feel that. really validated because there's like a crow um, just losing its mind outside of my I house. So I just feel like he's telling me that I'm right. <laughs> I feel validated. He is. He does exactly yes. what he's telling me. Do we want to move into chapter one? Yeah, sure. Cool. Because this is where he starts talking about ancient Greece. Yes. And... I liked this whole take. I liked the way he started. He starts with saying, like, the word witch comes from the root uh, of the word pharmacist, from, like, pharmacos. Right. Which... Pharmacute? Pharmacus? There's, like, two words. Yes. It's in Greek. Neither of us know how to speak Greek. But the root basically is talking about the use of plants. Plant people. Yes. One, I think this is a great, like setup as far as the rest of the book him introducing his own personal practice as this very plant-based practice beautiful like essay writing you know narrative setup loved that but also i liked when he starts talking about like medea and circe and the gray gray as like yo they were they were kind of hot we made them ugly over time they, they're they're hot. <laughs> that's the whole point. Especially for Medea and Cersei. Like, that's the whole point. And he makes a specific point, which after that I was like, I love this book. He could, he could say anything in it, and I'm still going to say I support it. Because he specifically talks about witches in ancient Greece as practicing the illicit religion. Practicing a religion that is like the religion of the people, 
but is separate and different and not necessarily right by the mm. standards of, you know, <laughs> I'm air quoting here, the Greek church, whatever, the, the temple. It was the Greek religion, but magic was not a part of it. And so the things that they were doing were illicit. They were against the rules. And I think that's sort of the point that he was trying to make in the beginning is that witches have been every kind of religion. They're just not doing religion the way they were told to. Right. You know, except, and this is again my bias, I don't know that I think that that's necessarily the case. Listen, I, I'm always going to have a problem with a religion that oppressed witches now trying to embrace it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But, go ahead. I think this might be an argument for the idea that witchcraft is inherently secular. Okay. That magic in and of itself is a, a religious practice, and that while religions can be built with magic in it, and, and part of it intrinsically, a witch doesn't have to be a religious witch. You can be a witch and in a religion, and those two things are separate from each other. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, I'm a very philosophical person all of a sudden, so I just like to think about the logistical breakdowns. I just think that some religions are going to have rules that are going to go against your natural inclinations to explore your craft. Yeah, for sure. So, so, you know, when it comes to certain religions, and I'm not going to start naming them, but I just have a problem if you say I'm this and I'm also a witch, because I'm saying, well, how much are you actually going to open yourself up to, you know, if, if your religion is saying communing with the dead is bad, so you're not going to do any ancient, uh, uh, any ancestor worship, or ancestor work, mm. I should say, then you're holding yourself back from something you could do. Does that make sense? Yeah, but at the same time, like, I don't really do herbs that much, so I am technically holding myself back from, like, doing herbal magic. Yeah, but it's not because your religion forbids it. No, that's but... That's what I'm talking about. That's fair. Do you know what I mean? I'm also... This is a... This is... This is me... Here being a problem as a person. Okay. I'm not a big fan of following rules. Yeah. Right? So, like, as I'm saying this as someone who practices, like, a pretty specific ancient religion. So I feel like I'm being a little bit of a hypocrite. But, like, you just pick and choose. Right? You pick the ones yeah. that are, like, foundational. And the ones that are not, you just, like, psh, Right? Like, you don't have to get naked, even though Gerald Gardner said so. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely about picking and choosing. But I'm not a gardenerian witch. That's true. Right? If I was to say, um, that's a good example, right? Because it doesn't have to be an outside religion. If I'm like, okay, I'm following the gardenerian tradition, I've been initiated, um, and I do this, and then I turn around and I'm like, well, Gardner says that witches don't do blank, so I can't do that. Do you know what I mean? Like, how am I holding yeah. myself back? Either I'm going to do it and then I'm a hypocrite to my religion or I'm not going to do it. And then why are you holding yourself back because a religion told you to? I don't know if that's that's a wonderful hypothetical question that I don't think anyone's ever going to be able to answer except individually. 
Because I guess for some people, it's a matter of like, what's more important, you know? Right. Huh. Just throwing that out there. I'm going to spend a couple of hours unpacking that after we're done with this, because I feel like I need to think about it more. Well, because I also think about, God, I really don't want to attack one particular religion. But, but okay, let's just go in. Let's, right? let's do it. So if, if we're talking about Christianity, let's say some forms of Christianity, we're talking about Catholicism. There are a lot of rules in Catholicism that I don't know that you can then just say, I am going to what? What are some things that would not be allowed in Catholicism well, here's that the witches problem. do? I don't know. Because even yeah, I don't know. as a cat, like even having been raised Catholic, Catholicism is a hundred percent magic. Like a hundred percent, there like this shit that we did in church is magic. Yeah, but a lot of it is giving your power over to something else. I have to pray to a saint to get this done, but the power you can harness from the energy around you, whether it's through your herbs, through your crystals, or through yourself. I totally understand why practices like Santeria exist. Because thinking back to being a 13-year-old girl having to go to church on Sunday, and then being the person that I am now, if Catholicism had been important to me, that's the road I would have went down. Yeah. If I if I had felt any connection to the gods and to the god, <laughs> to God and the saints, I would have been I can't be a Santeria because I'm white as hell, but a, a Christian witch of some sort. Because I can't explain it. I just feel it. Do you ever do you have that? I'm having that moment where I just feel it. Just have yeah, that I know, sensation. Just have to yeah. Wow. My life could have been completely different. I mean, that's why people have asked me. I've, I've been asked so many times, considering my lineage, why I'm not a Santera. And I said, because I was not raised Catholic. So for me to go into that, now, are there aspects of what I've learned from the Santeros in my family and the culture that I've incorporated? Yes, but I am not a Santera. That's not something that I I practice and I can't go toward it. I think you're right. I think had I been raised Catholic or Catholic light, I think that that might have been an avenue, but it just doesn't vibe with me and there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. You know, um, but it just doesn't vibe with me. I think that there's something that needs to be said about specifically white people unpacking, I'm going to, I'm going to claim us, our desire to have magic and still practice what is in and of itself colonialism. Like Christianity Mm. is just imperialism in religion. So that's a thing that like, if you're going to be a Christian witch, you need to have a take on because you're practicing a religion that has ruined the lives and religious practices of millions of people. And then you're going to kind of flout the rules you need to. And and that take might be, hey, this is screwed up, but this is still the thing that, you know, empowers me and makes me feel in touch with my religion. Fine. But you should be able to, you know, be conscious of the fact that imperialism is bad. Um, and it has taken away a lot of, okay, I'm going to relate this back to the text. Boom. Boom. Um, Grimasi talks about reverse engineering Mm -hmm. and he's specifically, he's very clear in this book that he's talking about, um, like European practices, reverse engineering European practices 
from um, that were fundamentally fragmented by Christianity. Every single religious practice in the world has been fundamentally fragmented by Christianity. So even people who are like, you know, I'm a Santera. Yes, your practice is related to the practices of indigenous peoples. It's also Christianity, hoodoo mm-hmm. and voodoo. Yes, there is a tie back to West African traditions, but it's been fragmented by Christianity. So no practice. I mean, not even maybe Shintoism. I don't know enough about Japan, but, you know, Buddhism fragmented by Christianity. Hinduism fragmented by Christianity. There's no straight line for any practice. You cannot trace a straight line from 2020 to, you know, 500 BC for any practice because Christianity caused these breaks, these branches, these these splits, these fragments that separated people from their ancestors, from their traditions. So real like realistically no practice gets to be like, "Oh, well, I'm older." Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe by 150, 200 years, nobody gets to say, I do the old ways. You can only do what Gramasi did, which is rebuild, reverse engineer, take what you know and create for yourself. And, you know, I, I don't, I want everybody listening to understand that, like, I have dealt with my own personal bias against Christianity and, like, I don't have a problem with Christians as a concept, but to pretend like Christianity isn't an imperial force is, it's, it's ridiculous. You know, there are people still going out and doing missions, trying to convert people to Christianity. It's, it's been an imperial force since it started. I mean, it, beginning with the Crusades, Christianity's job has been to take. And so every single one of us, a Wiccan, a Hellenic, somebody who practices hoodoo, every single one of us has to sit back and go, how has our practice been affected by global imperialism, by, you know, the modern world, by this new ability to get in touch with other people? What is working for us now and how can we find a connection to the past without pretending like it's the same as the past? I love that. I think you said that very well. That's exactly... That's great. I don't know how else to say it. That, that was really awesome. Um, um, and that's that's what I liked about this book because it is about making you think no matter where you are in your path, you know, what are the popular beliefs? What are your beliefs? And what is your gut telling you? Mm-hmm. Where can you go to learn more about whatever it is you're interested in and maybe not worry about is, is this the way it was done originally? Who the hell knows? It doesn't even matter. Yeah. Right? And I think that we get so hung up on stuff like that. But I love reading about the past. I love reading his take on how we've split. Um, split come together, right? From folk tradition to learned tradition to like kind of like weaving back and forth and figuring out who we are between all these traditions. Um and yeah, I think that the moment we realize we're not going to have an answer, a concrete answer, I think the freer we are to explore yeah. our practice, you know? Um, so yeah, that's what I liked about this book. I really, 
I think that the structure of this book is fantastic. I think that if I were to write a book about my practice, this is how I would want to do it. You start with a preface, which kind of gives you the definitions to work from. You've got an introduction, which then says, this is who I am and this is where my knowledge base comes from. You have chapter one, which gives you this really beautiful breakdown of the the development of and the, the themes. He specifically says the evolution of the themes of witchcraft. Um, and then he starts talking about, all right, here's my practice, yeah. you know, and and for me, was it super um, was it super mind blowing to read about Ash, Birch and Willow? No, it's a very interesting practice. It's definitely something I can see people being interested and attracted to. I love the way he talks about like the connection to the plants specifically. I love the mm-hmm. way he he uh, emphasizes the mortar and pestle as the sort of foundational tool of which is in this practice. I lost my mind for spiritual botany in chapter four. I was like, this is the coolest. Yeah. But the last, you know, three chapters are very much then, this is what I do. Based on all of this previous information I've given you to justify the way that I am practicing. And I don't mean justify in the sense of like, you can validate me because I have research, but in the sense that this is what founded the beliefs that I now have. This is where I got it from. It, it's structurally, I think, perfect. The only thing I would want more of is I want more citations always and forever. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I don't think a lot of people think about that when they're writing, though. So, no, And especially uh, for know. a book like this, I mean, he's writing about his religion. I get why he doesn't do it. Right. I would still like it. So, we recommend this book? I do. If only the first, like, three chapters, I do. You know what's one thing I wasn't crazy about that he said? Uh, he says, his ancient literature shows the following as persistent themes. And one of them is, witches are not magical. They need their tools. They have access to power, but do not self-generate power. And I disagree with that. I don't think... I mean, I'm not saying, you know, we are magical beings as on TV shows and whatnot, but I think there is something in all of us, witches and non-witches, whether you want to tap into it or not, is up to you. Um, I don't think we're special beings by any stretch of the imagination. Um, But do we need our tools to generate power? Yes and no. I don't think, I think that if a witch is alone in the forest... Can you hear her cackle? Now, if a witch is alone in the forest, yes, she wants to raise energy. And she doesn't have her wand or her athame or her, she has got whatever she has, right? Right in her own body to raise that energy. When we are raising that energy, and the reason that our tools, this has always been my understanding that our tools work so much, is that we are pouring energy out into it. We're trying to receive energy in. And with that, our tools gain more and more energy so that after years of using something, you can pick up a wand and it'll feel like it's humming because it's got that energy that you've put into it that it has acquired over time. Um, so I'm going to say that I, I disagree with that. I do think that witches can self-generate power, which is not to say that we can't use our tools and that our tools don't have powers either. I mean, obviously crystals have their own power and herbs have their own power. And, you know, I'm not negating that. I'm just saying... We're not, we're not empty. Here's my question. Yeah. First of all, I don't have a take on this. I have actually not thought about it ever before. So I'm just doing this right now. 
Nice. The, does the human body count as a tool? Is it sure not? It does. Like when you're, oh. when you're raising energy, are you right. actually self-creating that energy or are you pulling it in from outside sources? Is it like absorbing the energy in the environment around you or are you creating it yourself? I just smacked my microphone. <laughs> I do a lot of talking with my hands. When you, when you do Reiki, one of the things that you have to know, so you're pulling energy not from you, right? Right. But here's the thing. It's very important to pull energy because if not, you drain your energy. So then... Right? I don't have as much energy as the universe, obviously. But the little I got, if I don't pull up, whatever I give you, that's it. I'm done. So there's this understanding that you have energy to begin with. Now, whether that is your physical body, if that's the spirit soul inside of you, that's the question. So then I I feel like his take might still be accurate if you consider that the body of the witch is in itself a tool. Yeah, but the body is, to me, as inanimate as a pen. When we die, right, the body remains nothing. Whatever it was that life force has gone on. So is the energy coming from the physical body or is it coming from the life force and the body is the tool that delivers it out? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I don't know. Gemini is looking pensive right now. I, I, I started a grimoire. Um, okay. Since we've been, you know, us. And it's just me, like, breaking down philosophical and theological concepts to try and figure out whether or not I do them. So I'm just thinking of all of the different ways that I'm going to have to, like, crack open this book and be like okay so do i believe in a soul <laughs> do i believe this is and that like what's my take on all of this i think we should have takes on these things i think they could change over time i'm not saying that once you've written it down that's it gemini this yeah. is what you believe you can't change your mind but i think it's good to question these things from time to time and ask yourself in your heart of hearts in what you've read or what you think or what you think you know or what you feel what is your take on this stuff I used to not think that that was a good idea. I used to be like, it doesn't matter. I don't have to think about it. I just have to know what I practice. But the older I become, I'm like, yeah, I do. I want to know. My problem is that I don't like the idea of um, subjective truth. Like, I'm trying, when I think about these things, I then am always like, oh, well, this is just what I think. Like, other people might think something different. And then I'm like, what's right? What's the right answer? And that's my problem. what the right answer is. I don't think it matters. I, I mean, have I a Capricorn it- rising and a Gemini sun. I care what the right answer is. I mean, obviously, it'd be nice to know the right answer. But in lieu of having someone say, guess what? This is it. This is definitive. I don't think it matters. I think that in the long run, it should matter that you are thinking about these things and that you are making up your mind from time to time of what you believe and exploring those things. I think that's important. I don't think it really matters. We're not going to find out until yeah. we passed on, I guess, you know, so. There's not going to be like a, a closing part of this podcast where we're like, oh, and by the way, the answer is you have a soul. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. <sighs> Yeah. But, I mean, besides that, I think this is a good book. I do. 
no, I think it is a good book. I think, I mean, he's got a lot of good books, but, um, and we will come back to him and look at something else. I know we've talked about that in the past, going back to yes. Cunningham and, and Buckland, and, and we will. We're going to do, we haven't left them behind. Um, but I just really wanted to do something more modern, and we will come back to Gramassi at some point. He's got a wonderful book on familiars that we can uh, talk about. That I own. Nice. So we are definitely reading it because I own it. Very nice. So yeah. But I think this is a much better way to, well, maybe not a much better way, but I'd rather start with him with a book like this and before we jump into something more specific like that. Yeah. And I think it's the same thing with, you know, Cunningham and, and, and Buckland too. I'd rather do the, the general Wicca books before we mm-hmm. get into something very specific that they've read that we might want to talk about. I mean, and I will read, say, like to anybody's listening, you might be interested in Ash, Birch, and Willow as like a practice. It's, oh, yeah. It's Wicca adjacent, but it's not necessarily Wicca. It's very interesting if you're trying to find, you know, a practice, if you're not sure what, what religion you want to be, take a look at it because it, it was cool. It's not for me, but it's cool. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, so two thumbs up. This was fun. This was good. I enjoy when we have, like, deeply philosophical con- conversations. Yeah, me too. I, I knew this book was going to take us there. I like it. You guys yeah. should let us know if you like when we have deeply philosophical conversations, because <laughs> then we'll have more of them. Yeah, we're not going to stop having them, but yeah, we can have more. Very cool. Uh, so yeah, so the new moon will be Cowan's and how to exist with them. Um, thank you so much to Sean McShane for your amazing intro and outro music. And thank you so much to everybody who reaches out to us on Instagram. We love you guys. Uh, love hearing everything you've got to say and, and questions and all that stuff. It's fantastic. Keep an eye out for a super fun secret project on our Instagram um, upcoming sometime in May. And remember, yes. if you're following the moons, you're following us. <laughs>